Who has the edge in Saturday's game between the Utah Utes and the Oregon Ducks? What are the biggest storylines and what matchups will define the game? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this special Locked On crossover. I'm JT Wistersill of Locked On Utes. And I'm Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Oregon Ducks. And we're here to preview a great game that should be Saturday. The Utes taking on the Ducks. And Spencer, when we're talking about the biggest stories in this one, I think from a Utah perspective, I want to see if this team can get a big win on the road. You look at their two biggest road games on the season at Florida, at UCLA. They were both losses. So we've seen this Utah team do a good job taking care of business at home. They've beaten some inferior opponents on the road, but this is a huge game for them. Their biggest win of the season came at home against USC. I think this offense will travel for the Utes. I'm really curious to see if the defense will, but just in general, I do want to see how this Utah team is going to show up in a really hostile environment this year because this is going to be a really tough place to get a win in. Yeah, and and the winner is in the driver's seat to get into the Pac-12 championship game, and the loser is not out of it, by the way. There are so many scenarios that can play out, so many different possibilities for who can end up in the Pac-12 championship game after Oregon's loss to Washington a a week ago in Autzen Stadium. And I think that's the biggest thing that's on the line for both teams, is you win this game, you know, Utah is de facto in because there'll be a one-loss team in conference they are not going to lose to Colorado even in Boulder that's just not going to happen we all know that and I I think for Oregon they have a much higher chance of losing to Oregon State next week but if you win this game against Utah I'd feel even better about that matchup against the Bees. Oregon State is a good football team but you win this one then you've got a rivalry showdown where you've got something on the line you'd be playing with more confidence after a loss rather than coming off of back-to-back losses. And, you know, hopefully from, from Oregon side, of course, that that's not the case, but I, I think that's the biggest thing to look at is, you know, who can set themselves up to get into the PAC 12 championship game. And, you know, outside of that, there are other things to look for. I, I think on an individual level, teams want to get better at this. They want to get better at that, improve this element or, or that element or, or such. But I, I think that's the biggest thing is you, you look at the winner of this game, and, and I think you can just about pencil them in for a, a repeat slot in the Pac-12 championship game. I think the other biggest thing we got to talk about is Bo Nix's health. I think we both expect him to play, but I think the bigger question is, What do you expect him to look like in this game? And I feel like he'll look pretty good, but I mean, I think if you're Utah, it's definitely not like you're going to be facing the Bo Nix that has torn up so many, tore up UCLA or even last week against Washington, did a lot of good things. I'm not sure if we're going to see that same guy because I just don't know how healthy he is, Spencer. Yeah, neither do I, nor does anybody else, it seems. And this has been a theme with Dan Lanning and his staff all season long, JT. They are hush-hush on injuries. They will... Utah fans can relate to that, by the way. We they will answer stuff. questions, and you know maybe it's just something that a lot of high-level coaches do, but hmm. some are more open about it, and some, like Lanning and apparently Whittingham, are really mums the word on you know who's hurt, who's healthy, who's going to play, what's the availability until later in the week. We may not know until Saturday morning if Bonix is a full go, but the thing to look at here is... If Bonix is not 100% of himself, 
he's still going to be at 80% or 70% better than what Ty Thompson could bring to the table based on what we've seen so far. And if Ty Thompson comes out on the opening series and Bo Nix is in street clothes, I don't see how Oregon wins the game because their defense would then have to carry them more than they have all season. I I mean, they would have to be borderline dominant. They would have to be almost perfect for Ty Thompson to, you know, get the start and and win the game. Like I, I don't have a high level of confidence there. He hasn't played a lot. The snaps we have seen this season and last year don't instill a lot of faith. So it's got to be Bo Nix, but if he's going at 80%, I think a lot of people will look at that and say, well, you know, he's limited, can't do this, can't do that. You know, that's going to hurt Oregon's offense. Yes, but uh, I'm not disregarding the first half of that response. The second half, I would say, however, is that even after he got hurt and had to come out of the game, when he went back into the game, Oregon still moved the football. And he may not be quite as mobile. He may not be quite as agile or shifty in the pocket, but he's still a good thrower of the football from the pocket. And this is an Oregon offensive line that has been the best in the Pac-12 this year. They lead the league, I'm pretty sure, in yards per carry. They've allowed two sacks, I think, the whole season. Like No one is touching those numbers. Bo's mobility is a part of that, but the Oregon offensive line has been ridiculous. And, and as I've talked about with you on Locked on Pac-12, the Utah front four, they've struggled to get pressure at times. They couldn't get any pressure against Caleb Williams and USC. They allowed 42 points as a result, and that was at home. And I think Oregon is you know, certainly hoping a similar situation plays out this Saturday in, in Eugene at Autzen Stadium for the last time this year. So I, I think as long as Bo is able to go, whether he's a full go or not, I still feel good with him back there. But if he doesn't, then that's a, that's a major problem. It is a huge problem, but one of the other things that Oregon might be able to benefit from a little bit is Cam Rising hasn't looked like himself really since he missed the Washington since he missed the Washington State game. He's been very good. He was he was good last week, but he still he missed a couple throws where you're like, come on, Cam, you don't, you don't miss open guys. What, what what's going on here? Dalton Kincaid is another one. Dalton's actually the one I'm even more concerned about. Is he just was kind of out there last week and he made some nice plays and catches, but he was not the guy we saw against USC because it's the same thing. He's banged up. So which team is going to be able to manage those injuries better? I think is something that's going to be really key and interesting to see in this game because I just don't know. I think Cam is same thing. Cam's definitely like over 80% or all that. He's probably closer to 90, but just doesn't look quite the same or as comfortable in the pocket just because especially to start these games, it's just taking him a little bit to get settled in. I mean, Utah really struggled in that first quarter to move the ball against Stanford. You can't afford a slow start against this Oregon team. And we also know how aggressive this Oregon team likes to be. They love to do odds. They've done multiple onside kicks now in these games, trying to capitalize on those opportunities. And even going back to that Washington game, if you don't, guys don't fumble in the first quarter, I mean, right on the goal right on the five yard line or wherever it was at it's completely well that one wasn't as costly because Oregon ended up forcing a three and out and then had a 47 yard drive to score a touchdown so it really just cost them a little bit of time which they could have used at the end of the game Mm -hmm. for sure but you know Washington then would have used more on their drive so that that probably doesn't even follow but the, the the big issue with the game against Washington was the pass defense and and I think Oregon fans listening to or watching this right now are probably having their ears perk, perk up a little like, wait, Cam Rising isn't, isn't like totally himself. Like he's been a little off. That's music to our ears. Yeah. Now there's no defense that can give you a get right game through the air as a quarterback, quite like this Oregon defense, because 
they've been really, really bad. But I think it's a fascinating matchup with Oregon's defense and how they played after last week and and coming into this game against Utah that I think schematically favors Oregon more than Washington did, but still presents a lot of challenges as we're going to get to. Yeah, it's just really interesting, too, in terms of you talked about how Utah after this, they're going to beat Colorado. And that's how it's kind of been looking on the past few weeks. The toughest game outside of the Oregon one was the Washington State one, and they won it with their backup quarterback in Bryson Barnes. So it's just been an easier schedule for the Utes as of late versus the Ducks, especially not just even this Utah game. But next week, you take on a really good Oregon State team who that we saw pop up in the rankings. So just a very different close to the season. So it'll be interesting to see who is going to perform better. Will it be the team that has kind of had these opportunities to get right and not been able to have they are able to put their backup quarterback in late in the Utes or is it going to be a team like the Ducks who are coming off their first loss since early since the first game of the season and really got tested something that's going to be interesting and a lot of fun to talk about as we break down the matchups in a moment but first want to tell you guys about the sponsor of this episode in Nugenics guys you know just getting older it can be a little bit tougher to get that same feeling going we all get that the dad bod feeling a little bit less like ourselves you don't have time to work out as much but you wanted the energy in your your body once had so you discovered nugenics and then you start to really feel like yourself again that's what's happened to so many people and it could be you guys nugenics total tea contains man boosting key ingredients like testafen it's been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men because nugenics total tea boasts free testosterone that the aging process robs, you'll feel stronger, leaner, and more energy-driven and more passionate too. Your partner will notice the difference. So make sure you guys head over to Nugenics Total Tea and get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you get when you text college. That's college all caps to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with those key ingredients. Once again, college text college to 231231 texting enrolls you into recording automated text messages consent not required purchase message details rates may apply so make sure you guys head over to nugenics now spencer jumping back into this one talking about the best matchups in this game for me i'm excited to see cam against that oregon secondary because as i mentioned you talked about their weaknesses. I talked about Cam not being quite right, it seems. And it's in look, I said still like 80%, but just a couple of those missed throws. This Utah team needs to start hot. And one guy I think could be in for a big game is Devon Vele. He seems every single game, he has like five or six catches for 60 yards. They all go for first downs, but he's yet to really have that one hot, that well, like dominant game, 120 yards receiving, something like that. I feel like this could be the one that finally comes. He just declared for the draft, and I really think this could be the game where we see Devon have a big game, especially because I think Dalton will make some plays, but I'm not expecting Dalton to be the USC Dalton Kincaid. I'm just expecting him to be a reliable target on third down. We've talked about this Utah offense being more explosive. We saw that early on in the season, Utah fans did. We saw that against USC, and I think it's going to have to be that against Oregon because, look, even though the running game was really strong last week with Tavion Thomas, this Ducks run game, is they do a really good job slowing that down. They only give up just over 100 yards on the ground basically. So it's going to be hard for the Utes to really establish that rushing attack with Tavion Thomas, even though they're coming off of a good game because the Ducks just do a good job. And this Utah offensive line is better in pass protection than they are at run blocking. Cam hasn't been sacked a lot this season either. So I really think if this Utah offensive line can give Cam the time, which I expect them to do, Cam will be able to dice up the Ducks. But this is a Ducks secondary too that I feel like if Cam's a little off early, could have a chance to capitalize and make a play and really turn this game around and kind of put Utah in a position where they're not able to get back into it. 
Yeah, if Utah's pass protection has been good as of late, they shouldn't have any He threw the ball each time. So I, I, I really think that that's, that's a position group that, that is interesting to watch is the defense front of Oregon getting pressure on, on Cam Rising. But I like Devon Vela. I think he does some nice things. But I'm going to be really interested to see how Oregon defends him here. Because when I look at Utah JT without Brant Keithy and without Britton Covey from a season ago and without a guy who is, who is, who is on, on, yeah, he's our favorite guy. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad he's gone after eight years in college. So, um, I, I I think that it's, it's kind of those two, right? It's Kincaid, it's Vele, you know, money parks has made some plays, but I wonder if Oregon will be in more man coverage because of the way the weapons are situated for Utah. And Devon Vele is a good receiver, but Christian Gonzalez is a really good corner. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see Christian Gonzalez like he did against Teteroa McMillan of Arizona when, when the Ducks played the Wildcats down in Tucson and held him to just 22 points, which I'd be thrilled with to see Oregon's yep. defense hold a team under 25 points again that has a good offense. I think that you might see something like that, and then the rest of the attention will, will go heavily to Dalton Kincaid. That's what I would do. Because I think Gonzo is one of the three or four best corners in the Pac-12. Certainly Clark Phillips is up there. You'd have to put you know, whoever the best member of the Oregon State secondary is up there. And there's probably some, some debate about that. But Gonzo is up there on an individual level as well. He may get overshadowed a bit because he's playing in a secondary and on a defense that's been putrid against the past this year. But as you mentioned, very strong against the run. And... I think that that's the best way for Oregon to go about is put him there. And then it just, I, I would just like to see him play more man coverage. They played so much zone against Washington and it didn't yep. work. And they've played a lot of zone against other teams and it hasn't been working. And I'd like to see him from time to time, just man up literally, not metaphorically, but metaphorically too, honestly, man up and, and say Bennett Williams, Jeffrey Bossa, these are bodies we feel that, you know, can make life a little bit difficult for Dalton Kincaid. I think both those guys are, are good matchups for him. Maybe a little bit of uh, Jamal Hill too. But when you look at these wide receivers, I think if you can take away Devon Vele, that that limits Utah's passing attack on the perimeter. Kincaid is still lethal. And they do such a good job. Uh, remind me of the Utah offensive coordinator's name. Eddie Ludwig. Yeah, so he does a he does a marvelous job of scheming things open. And he knows exactly what that Utah offense is. It's set up heavily by the run, but they're very balanced. And when they go to play action, they are so, so good. And they will slide that tight end across the formation at the second level or into the flat at a high level. And they will get their guys in space. And they've done that with Kincaid. They did it with Keithy. They did it when they had both of them. They just have Kincaid now, of course, because Keithy is unfortunately out for the season with an injury. But that's what Oregon has to watch. And with the way their zone defense has been exploited, I just think that going back to the well on that zone defense and saying, well, no, we're just going to be more disciplined in our assignments. I don't think you're going to make a big enough jump in one week. And Andy Ludwig will look at it and see, we're going to get you flowing this way and then move the ball over here and throw that way. And I think that could create some big holes. And you just can't do that with Dalton Kincaid. I think you have someone to, to man mark him. And you got to just trust the front six you know, with Sewell and Flo and Boston, the defensive line to do what they've done this year. And that's be stout against the run. 
And it is interesting, too, because I felt like one of Coach Ludwig's best game plans was against USC, and that was coming off the UCLA loss. So you were in that mode where it's like win or go home. And, yes, Utah's been in that every week. But at the same time, it's just it's different when you're trying to get up for those games and you just feel like you're the better team, which Utah's been for a month basically now against every team they've taken on. So this is one of those situations where Utah, I'm sure inside that locker room, they feel like they're the best team, but that's definitely not. There's a reason we go back and forth on this game. The line is three. I mean, yes, Oregon fell behind Utah, but that's just because of the most recent loss. But that's not a bad loss to a good Washington team, as we know, especially with some of those things we talked about with Bo Nix going on. So it is going to be a lot of fun to see what kind of game plan Coach Ludwig comes out with it. When I'm curious for you looking at the Oregon offense against the Utah defense, what is the biggest kind of key matchup you're looking at Bo Nix and the injury bug yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's true it's the biggest it really is the biggest that that is storyline number one but the, the second one is what Oregon was unable to do against Utah last year was anything literally anything there was nothing that they had a season ago but this isn't the same offense they've got different personnel They've got guys who have improved, like Chris Hudson and Troy Franklin are big parts of the offense. Dante Thornton out there. Their tight ends are really good. I think they've upgraded at the running back position compared to what they had a, a season ago. Even though Travis Dye was very good, I think Bucky Irving is even better. Um, I, I think Bucky is a really, really special player. You know the interesting thing, just for the Utah fans out there who maybe haven't watched an Oregon game this year about Bucky Irving, he is not the fastest guy in the field. He's not the biggest guy on the field, much like Travis Dye. He's a little bit thicker, a little bit sturdier than Travis Dye. All he seems to do is make guys miss tackles. That's, that's just what he does. And when you run behind a high-level offensive line, that creates for a lot of successful games. He's had them this year. Oregon, against a good run defense in Washington, whose front four is the strength of their defense this year, and they came into the last week's game top two or three in the Pac-12 and rushing yards per game allowed, Oregon went for over 300. And I think you're going to see Oregon want to run the ball again, use that to set up play action, help out Bo Nix if he is you know, a little bit hobbled with that knee, leg, ankle, calf, shin, whatever the injury is. We still don't really know. Groin, thigh, I don't know. It could be anything. So I think that that's going to be a critical component of their offense is last year Utah's front four and you know Devin Lloyd at linebacker as well. They were really, really good. And and this year, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they're still good in that area, but they're not great like they were a season ago. Like, like it's it's still above average compared to other teams in the Pac-12. This is not a Stanford, an Arizona, a Colorado, where you can, you know, it's not like that, right? But it's also not what you saw from Utah a season Mm -hmm. ago. And and with Bo Nix, you know, at least not going to be at 100%, I expect him to come out with the same offensive game plan they had against Washington, which is we're going to take our downfield shots eventually, but we want to run the ball first because they've been really, really good. And they haven't just been, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust and then move the chains every now and then. Like, they are creating explosive plays on the ground. And I think if they can do that, it sets up everything they want to do, take their play action shots with this great receiving core led by Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton had a big catch last week. Chase Kodamere may not be back. A lot of really good weapons there. I love when they get the tight ends involved. Sets up a lot of what Kenny Dillingham wants to do as it should. So I think that's the the, the most critical matchup is that's how they've been at their best. Because Oregon fans might say, well, you know, the, Offense didn't do this. Offense didn't do that. The story of last week's game 
was the defense. It was terrible. The offense yeah. played well enough to win. You put up 34 points at home. You mm-hmm. should win every single time when you're the Oregon football program. That's just the way this should go. The defense has got to step up and be better, but I don't think the offense needs to change anything philosophically from how they have approached games all season long. When 34 points ends a scoring streak in a bad way, you're doing something right offensively and nothing needs to change. No, it's a great point. And it, for this Utah defense, I'll mention this as well. Um, specifically looking at, I know it's a front seven, but it was more like the six guys, if you look out for last year's game that started for Utah in kind of that front seven area. There's only one guy who's going to be back for Utah in that regard because Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell, they're both in the NFL. Van Fillinger out for the season. And then outside of that, Mika Tafuna as well as Hawani Pututau. Those guys are in the league at this point. So the only guy there is Junior Tafuna. Now you get Aliki Vaimahi, Samote Pepe, who are coming off their best games, but we haven't seen them do that against a great team yet. And that's what this presents an opportunity for. So I do think it's a combination of things of their play has improved as well as they've played poor offensive lines. And this, this that's why I don't really expect the Utah pass rush. If they get home in this game, I think it will more be because of a clever blitz than a guy winning a one-on-one rep on the outside. Like, for example, Jonah Ellis is coming on strong, playing really good football, had his, some of his best last week, too. I really like the way his game's kind of grown and developed, but it's just a different breed of offensive line out there. So it's going to be hard for these Utes to get home. Looking at the Utes linebackers, I feel like they've gotten better. A guy like Diabate, as he's gotten more integrated into the system, Lander Barton, more reps, he's gotten better, too. But once again, how much of that is those guys improving, which they have, and how much of that is the level of competition? That's what I'm so excited to see in this game because, yes, Utah's run defense, it looks really good on paper, but they've been really been taking advantage of these pack, some of these Pac-12 teams that just don't run the ball well on anyone. So this is going to be a great test for the Utes, and I'm excited to see because you're right. They're really not going to get home against Bo Nix. The strength of this Utah defense is the secondary. Yes, Utah gets gashed through the air, but a lot of times, especially against USC and UCLA, there are just so many times where the quarterback, in this game, it'll be Bo Nix, of course, has all day to throw in the pocket, and eventually you just can't cover a guy that long. Yep. So that's what's been the issue so many times for this Oregon Utah. fans know that feeling very, <laughs> very well, JT. <laughs> you can't cover forever. Exactly. There's no pass rush. You could have four clones of Deion Sanders back there. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's what will make this one fun to see is who is. It feels like it's going to be a high-scoring one for sure, and it's just going to be fun to check it out. And it's going to be a great game, and we're going to come back in a second and predict it. But first, I want to tell you guys about who this episode is brought to you by, and that is BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info this season. With stats, news, and analysis, get the latest odds trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, NFL to NBA, soccer, esports. They've got it all at BetOnline. With college basketball really coming back, it's great to have everything going on that we love about sports. There's big games all over the country, and you guys can cash in on them at BetOnline. So make sure you guys head over to BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in, and their website or mobile device will allow you to get started. Bet online where the game starts. So, Spencer, it's time to predict this one. And I think a fun nugget I want to throw into this one is you actually had me on Locked On Pac-12 to kind of preview Oregon season. Now, what was interesting about that was I expected Utah coming into this game to be undefeated. I was very wrong, obviously. And then I predicted that you this you weren't would be that wrong. I, I, well, I, I suppose the UCLA game probably went worse than than anybody thought. I thought yes. the Bruins would win. I didn't think they'd be up 17 late in the game. But, I don't know. They're not the furthest team away from being undefeated. Very, very true. <laughs> that is fair. Um, so I, pre- at the time, had predicted a Utah loss to come in here. 
And I think you at the time also kind of felt that Utah would lose if I remember correctly. And what's interesting is no, I, I thought no coming into the year, I thought this would be the game that Oregon lost at Autzen Stadium. Oh, I that was be, I thought right. it'd be the only yes. one. You're right that you thought that would be the only one. So it's interesting to hear now if we've kind of flipped because I'll tell you right now, I have. I do feel like the Utes are going to be able to go in and get a win in Autzen. I like the way Kyle Whittingham has his team playing right now. I think Morgan Scally has really figured out what makes this defense work. He's done a good job designing some pressures and doing some different things that are going to be able to throw Bo Nix off a little bit. Bo Nix not being 100% is also going to benefit the Utes in this one. I think the Utes will get one turnover in this one, whether it is, I don't, I'm a little worried we, for Oregon fans that we could see the Bo Nix of old because he's not healthy in this one. And if his team falls behind, maybe he feels the need to press and try to make up for things because he's not right. Now, I hope this is a great game that comes down to the wire. We were just talking about bet online. The line for this game is three. So it shows you they really think this is going to be a close one. And personally, I do too. But I feel like the difference in this game will be one pick by the Utah defense. And I think Cam Rising, we've seen him kind of taking a step in the right direction ever since he missed that Washington State game. I think this is the game. It comes all together. He looks really good. I think him and Devon Vele are really the two guys that make things work for the Utes because, as I mentioned, I think that run game is going to get contained a lot. So I think we'll be coming out of this game saying Cam Rising was the best quarterback on the field and injuries, as I mentioned, for Bo will play a part in that. But I think the Utes are going to be able to get a win, and I will go Utah. Oh, now it's hard when I'm trying to figure out a number, but I will go Utah 44 to 40. I think it's going to be a high scoring. Whoa. These defenses are going to struggle to get stops. Whoa. That's a big score. That's a big, that's a big, big score. I and think it's the moment to... I always go big if I don't know what I want to go. I always <laughs> somebody who's like, let's just have it be super high scoring and a lot of fun football. So that's what we get. 44, 40 in the heat, in the true heat of the moment. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's hard with the way Oregon's defense has been playing to predict a low scoring affair. In addition to how the offense is played, like when 34 points is your worst output in a league game this season, it's hard to come on here and say, yeah, I think this is going to be a real slug fest. Mm-hmm. You know, like neither of those things yeah. turn out or, or would, would indicate that that's how it's going to turn out. I would, however, point you to TCU in Texas. Good point of which you had the same exact storyline going into it. And this is just a feeling that I've got. And, you know, I, I think it'll be a great game. You know, you're my guy, JT, but I hope it's not. I hope we smack you 38 to 10 or 38 to 7. It would be poetic. But I don't think this is going to be as high-scoring a game as you think. Two reasons why. Utah wants to run the football. And you have to look at what Washington did last week in Autzen Stadium and say, well, why were they successful at not just beating Oregon, but holding them under 40 points? The biggest reason was they held onto the ball for long stretches in the first half. Their opening drive touchdown took about six, six and a half minutes off the clock. Bo Nix and company, they're just standing over there. And though I'm confident in Oregon's run defense, I am not confident in their third down defense because it stinks. They have not been able to get off the field, and I think Ludwig is a good OC who will be able to exploit the same holes everybody else has this year. And Utah, fundamentally, at some level, they have an explosive offense. They're capable of being that, right? Saw it in the USC game, 43 points. But they fundamentally want to win in lower-scoring affairs. So when I look at what works against Oregon and how Utah wants to play, combined with the fact that Bonix may not be 100%, Oregon 
may very well be leaning on the ground game even more. And they're now going up against a superior secondary and overall defense than what Washington showed last week. Washington's a bad tackling team. They are a really good offense, but their defense has got a good front four, and then they got nothing behind. They allowed explosive plays. They didn't tackle well. They they don't do a lot of things well that Utah does do very well. So I think this is going to be lower scoring than people think. I, I do think Oregon is going to get this done for a couple reasons. As long as Bo Nix plays, that's that's the number one caveat here. If Bo Nix doesn't play, I can't pick Oregon because there's I, I just don't know how you're going to be able to score enough points. You would need your defense to be as good as it was against BYU, who we now know was a little overvalued coming into the season, but was still a solid team. Like it has, it would have to be that sort of showing. It that that's what it would have to be from the Oregon defense, like seven points through three quarters. I don't see that happening against Utah. I really don't. So I think Oregon is going to win, but I don't think it's a big, fantastic, amazing shootout the way a lot of people think. I'll go 31 to 23. I think Oregon is going, I think, I think Oregon is going to get it done. Both teams will be over well over 350 yards of, of total offense, but I think the red zone defense will stiffen a couple times for Oregon, like it did, frankly, against Washington. I mean, they allowed a couple of drives that ended in field goals, and they allowed a couple of drives that weren't really drives. They were just really one play, and I think that's going to be a point of emphasis for this defensive staff, and they can clean up those sorts of areas and make Utah play a little bit more dink and dunk underneath. So I'll go 31-23. I think the Ducks bounce back at home. It, it's, it's hard to pick pick them to lose a second game in a row at Autzen Stadium would certainly be disappointing if if that came to pass, but I don't think it will. It is so interesting because you bring that up. This has been, you start with the first game, massive disappointment against Georgia, but obviously yeah. we, know the bold, we know how good the Bulldogs are, and also we just kind of seen this Oregon team really be able to get right. So this season's been a success. But you just mentioned, if you do lose those kind of last two home games, like I just predicted, and then we'll see what happens against Oregon State, it would be kind of interesting to see how this game would then be viewed in the eyes of Oregon fans. Is because it, so it, it would be reminiscent of last year when they started 8-1, yes. and one, and then they got smacked by Utah twice in three weeks, or no, 9 and, they started, they were 9-1 and one last yeah. year. Lose to Utah, no. Gosh, I, don't, I, can't do, <laughs> I can't do math. They were 8-1. and one. Hawaii brain over there. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, twelve games. So they were nine and one when they lost in Salt Lake City. Then they beat Oregon State to get to ten and two, and then they got smacked the next week. And what was overall a successful season, though, left something to be desired in a number of areas. Got off to such an amazing start with that win against Ohio State, but by the end of the year, going into the off season, it was not. It did not feel like a ten win yeah. season. And if Oregon did that again this year, where you lose the last two home games, I think it would it would have uh, some some PTSD back to back to last year. And that's what the Utes fans are hoping that it can generate in this game. And as you mentioned too, just yep. such a fun one because the winner is then in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 championship. And it's so fun too because on the same day we have USC and UCLA face it off too. So the best four teams. A lot of good, a lot of good games in the Pac-12 this week. A lot. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's between it's it's between two teams that are not going to bowl games, but Stanford and Cal should be a good game. I like Cal. I like Cal in that one. There you go. Um, Washington State, Arizona, Wildcats playing for bowl eligibility. Cougars could get to an eight-win season if they win their last two. I tell you, a lot of good games in the Pac-12 this week. 
Yeah, and for more information on those two, you guys can check out Spencer on Lockdown Pac-12, as well as Lockdown Sports Today, as you guys covered the take of the day. It's available for you guys wherever you get your podcasts. They cover the biggest games, the biggest recaps. It's all there on Locked On Sports Today. Spencer, it's been great having you on. This has been a fun crossover, and I can't wait for this game, man. I cannot either. To all the Duck fans out there, as always, I appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks. I'll end it with Go Utes. Thank you guys for listening to this special Locked On crossover and making Locked On Utes and Locked On Ducks your first listen every single day.